celebrities on the magazine covers always say like they bounce right back. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Nita Week series on Life with Ed the Podcast. I'm Julia Worth, your host, and I'm so excited you're here for the fourth episode. And today we're talking all about moms. Moms are under a lot of pressure, um, not just to provide for their families and be a good role model for their children, but there's a ton of pressure from the media, from other moms, from just everything around you to look a certain way, especially after a woman has just given birth and they're supposed to suddenly um, be back to their like pre-baby body. And today you're going to hear all about that and sort of the, the troubles it can cause not only for the mom, but for her children. So I'm really excited to have Rachel Coleman on the show today. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 12 years of experience treating eating disorders at both an inpatient and now a private practice level. Um, she's a certified eating disorder spe- specialist. And she's also the co-host of Mom Jeans, the podcast where she and her colleague Tina LaBoy, who's a dietitian, teach moms to understand their genes so they can love the genes they are in. So Mom Jeans, G-E-N-E-S. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out, checking it out, especially if you enjoy this episode. So here we go with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So I first want um, you to introduce yourself to my guests and tell us how you first got introduced to eating disorders. Sure. Um, So again, my name is Rachel Coleman. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified eating disorder specialist and a mom of three, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, I have been practicing and working in the field of eating disorders for over 12 years, either as an inpatient treatment center and then now in private practice. And I also have a podcast geared towards moms on healing their relationship with their bodies. Um, I was first introduced to eating disorders in my teens. I saw my cousin really struggle and go into treatment and saw how it affected the entire family and just the confusion. And I also saw the secrecy and the stigma Mm -hmm. because not many people were, you know, talking to us young cousins about it. So... It made me realize that I have a feeling that this is something that is probably pretty misunderstood if it is such a secret. Um, you know, in the family dynamic, people don't really overtly talk about it because my guess is they don't really understand it very much. Right. Yeah. Or they think it's like a, a bad thing or, you know, might make them look bad. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, like there's something wrong with her versus realizing like the entire family system here probably needs to do some healing. Mm-hmm. So that was your uh, cousin, you said, when you were a teenager? Yes. And then how did you get to working with them? Um, so throughout my education, I just always kind of start, started studying and looking at the correlations of the impact of advertising and media and body image and the messages women were sent. And, um, also the personality types and reasons why even disorders would develop. And I was really fascinated by that. And then it was like policy major and... Um, was really also just fascinated by diet culture. Diet culture has always been very prevalent in my life. I have a mom who was always openly discussing the dissatisfaction she had with her body and a grandma with, to this day, in her 80s, some pretty severe disordered habits. So oh, wow. Their, yeah, their behaviors and always sent the message that, like, only certain bodies were acceptable. The rest of us kind of had to be ashamed or all that negative talk. So... I was just always really kind of 
introduced to that in different ways and, and saw it and started kind of studying it from the psychological angle and decided to really develop my career and my life to healing the impact of guy culture and healing people's messages and internal narratives and family narratives and have just been so passionate about all of it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned how, you know, like your mother's relationship with food or your grandmother's even relationship with food can impact a child. Um, so what particular challenges do mothers face when it comes to disordered eating or falling into diet culture? Um, I think that moms tend to be the ones to sacrifice and caretake. And again, that's the stereotype on every family dynamic is like that. But that tends to be the larger percentage of the caretaker is the mother. So I think that combined with that diet culture, as well as the culture that kind of preaches like the big girl and the pressure to like raise your kids right, mm-hmm. I think it leads to like this cycle of self-sacrifice and then guilt when we take time for ourselves. So I think that this caretaking can really translate directly into a relationship with food and eating because when you decrease your self-care, it can lead to not you know, plating your own balanced meals, not even sitting down to eat. The moms will just stand at the counter and grab a few bites while their kids are sitting or not exercising or, or having a you know imbalanced relationship with movement. Or a lot of moms will emotionally eat and they finally do get to sit down. Right, yeah. And themselves physically and emotionally and binge eating patterns can develop. Um, you know, I think that whole coffee pill cocktails concept is kind of cute on a t-shirt but really when you're looking at that it's like overusing that caffeine or that alcohol just to cope and not nourishing yourself physically um i just think overall struggling with finding that balance can be really dysregulating with our food because proper nourishment takes carving out time in the day to put our physical needs first and most moms are so stretched thin with their time that taking time for themselves is one of the first things we push aside Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one thing I hear from listeners all the time um, who write in to me is that they don't they don't know what they might be doing that could affect their child. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of us are unaware that if you're dieting as a mom or you're making comments about your body, you know, what effect might that have on your child? Is that something that you have spoken about or talked to moms about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I treat a lot of adolescents in my practice and a lot of times adolescents come in with their mom obviously mm-hmm. the mom I think a lot of times like I've literally I can think of an example of a mom saying like why well, a lot her eat the tortilla and the daughter's like but you're eating the low carb version and mom's right. like well it's different for me and it's like no it's not yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know where a lot of moms I live in Orange County so you know yoga pants are like clothes and so a lot of moms come in wearing exercise clothes and all the like, oh, are you going to the gym and they're like well maybe not today but it's just kind of like it looks like they're always ready to like just like prance around somewhere <laughs> just <laughs> like break out into time. yoga moves yeah <laughs> right a lot of times they have come from the gym or like oh man, they're gonna go to the gym or like or you know well they're setting the diet um resolutions and and things like that. And so I think a lot of times, like our generation too is really impacted by the generation above us. So the generation above us was the generation of introduced to Weight Watchers, introduced to fat yes. <laughs> diets, which we're seeing a lot of the 80s about low fat foods and um, not getting any education on the effects of that. And so 
I think the moms of today were raised by those people, and now also they're seeing what that looks like for themselves, and now what it looks like two generations later for their children. So, yeah. uh, you know, so I think, yeah, a lot of moms are struggling without realizing that what they're doing is disordered until they're seeing their teens are acting that out, mm-hmm. and then they're going, they're pointing the finger at them. Many times, you know, some of the family work that we have to do is really vulnerable work where the mom has to sometimes try and put the finger to herself. Right. Um, yeah, you something... know, no mom oh, is for eating disorder, so I always have to, like, throw that out there because I yeah. think a lot of moms keep themselves up for it. And it's, like, no, it's, it's not for, it's, you know, it's not causing fear, but there could be some family dynamics that, you know, plant seeds. So, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, yeah, so one thing I was going to say is, in my own experience, like, when I started acting out behaviors of wanting to be on different diets or really interested in food, my mom thought that was great because that was something that was seen as, like, positive for her. And, you know, why wouldn't it be a good thing that I was interested in food and and my body and all of that? So I think parents, both moms and dads, can be sort of blind to that those things are problems in children. Absolutely. And because I think, to your point, a lot of those the parents of today were raised by a generation who did say, like, very concretely, like, you're chubby, you need to lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, yeah. Know, like, they were told, like, hopefully you don't grow up to get my hip, like, from the, the grandmas. Right. Know, like, it was all so overt that I think they don't, a lot of the parents of today are starting to have to really unpack a lot of these diet culture messages they received and these food behaviors that they have that they thought were healthy, quote unquote, or they were praised for as kids. And yeah. I think, I think it's really a big, huge unpacking of the generational impact. Definitely. So what are some things like in our culture, specifically surrounding the bodies of women and especially mothers, like after they've had children that can impact their relationship with food? Um, I mean, I think that, I think, first of all, hormones are really confusing. And so I think that the shift in hormones during pregnancy and after are just so intense and can be permanently um, affected. So. Yeah. I think a big piece of what moms are struggling with, like inadvertently, is this hormone change. It's making them more emotional, making them feel more um, susceptible to all these diet culture messaging, and and more susceptible to um, feeling pressure to get the you know pre baby's body back. And and then I think also all those hormones can really disrupt our hormone signals. This can make our relationship become more emotional and. Sometimes our body can even change what it could tolerate or, like, have that first effect off. So yeah, yeah. This is always, like, a medical hormonal component that I encourage people also to look at um, that's, like, making them maybe more chaotic or confused about their relationships. Um, but then also I think, you know, to your point about, like, the filter, um, I think the messages of, getting your free baby body back or getting back into those free baby genes and, yeah. like, the the celebrities on the magazine covers always say, like, they bounce right back. Right. Um, you know, and bodies aren't rubber bands. They don't just, like, snap. No. <laughs> like, they're forever. <laughs> you know, like, you just don't, you're not a rubber ball. Like, yeah. Also, like, you- most people don't have personal trainers and someone babysitting their kid all the time. So to have the, the same, you know, change in your body after pregnancy that a celebrity might have is quite unrealistic. 
Well, absolutely. And the celebrities are also hungry. And right. Because they're getting paid to be hungry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think, and to the hormonal changes as well, of like nursing or breastfeeding, if that's what a mom chooses to do, like there's an impact on your body if you're doing that as well. And so there's just so much, so much at play as far as how the body changes and reacts that I think that the diet culture just kind of says it's all about weight loss and putting back to the ABC. And yeah. I think that that is really, really hard because I think it leaves moms stuck in chronic dieting. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that combined with the messages that we just talked about from the older generation, um, you know, and that's like, well, oh, shoot, now I do have the mom team. Now I do have the mom body. And now right. they hear about, like, wearing the two-piece. Like, do I have to shift to the one-piece with the ruching? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> with so the skirt. About skirt. how do I accept this mom body because it has a stigma and yeah. I don't know what to do next. Yeah. And I think something that is... um challenging and I see it a lot I also work with mostly adolescents is that moms tend to see themselves in their daughter if they have a daughter um, Mm. and maybe pressure them unintentionally from a large part to be as they are you know even if they're not the same person (laughs) which they're not Um, but just they think like oh well I wish I had done this. So I want her to, mm-hmm. to do that. So she doesn't end up like me or whatever it is. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what would you and say? Think, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think I, I agree with you. I hear that a lot. And I think it just leads to this fear in these adolescents. Like you're basically like future tripping. Like you're talking about a, a hormone changed aged body 40 years from where she is currently. Yeah. <laughs> Let her be, in her teen body, and you work through your insecurities about your middle age body. And yeah. Those are two completely different lifestyles, or life cycles, you know, pieces of the life cycle. Yeah, and I think in reverse, too, often happens. Um, like, if the mother is in a smaller body and the, and the daughter is larger, mm-hmm. whether that's because, you know, she's just bigger because her dad was also bigger or whatever, mm-hmm. I think moms have a hard time sometimes accepting that their daughter might mm-hmm. not be as small as them yeah i think they i think moms project a lot of fat phobia onto their teens when it's that situation and they're saying well i don't want her to be bullied or i don't want her to be unhappy with her body yeah that's that's about you mom yeah (laughs) that's all your stuff yeah definitely so what are some ways moms can work to develop a better relationship with food so this isn't um the case yeah, I mean, as far as it goes to the food, um, I think body attunement is going to be the key place to healing. Um, there's so many factors that a mom has to kind of handle as far as getting to body attunement because, as we discussed, like the hormone changes, uh, changing physical body. Um, I think also the, the comparison culture about like every single body reacts differently to becoming a mom. Like, some mm-hmm. have their tissue, some get check marks, some don't. Like, everyone's body is different. So, really kind of developing that body attunement about your physical body and then also, like, your changing emotional needs um, is going to be key. Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of encourage moms to look at the medical piece, the physical piece, and then the emotional piece. So the medical piece, like finding a non-diet registered dietitian and a doctor to help mm-hmm. you check out blood work and your physical needs and your nutrition needs, because 
hormone changes, thyroid changes, um, the aging body, the menopausal body, like all of that. It's really not diet. And medical team. Yeah. And so what about specifically a relationship with their body? What are other ways they can work to have a a more healthy approach to how they look at themselves? Well, I think body acceptance is looking at like what is in your genes, your genetics, so that you can accept, you know, your physical body and how it looks. Yeah. So I think the more you can, yeah, like the more you can understand what is going on physically and how your body is reacting and what your genetic components are um, is really key as far as like the medical piece is concerned. Yeah, Um, definitely. Go ahead. Oh, I just think it's interesting that you said like to look at, you know, what your genes are because, you know, yeah, if you look at your parents and, you know, you look like them, well, that that makes sense, right? Like that's where you're coming from. It's sort of unattainable and unrealistic to think you should look like someone who's not in your family at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that becomes a whole other complicated layer, too, because if you had heard the messaging that, you know, your, for example, my mom always said, like, oh, you have this short waist, and it just makes this, the legs look this and this, and she was always going on about her short waist. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what does that even like, mean? <laughs> I don't think so. She has lots of things that she has feelings about. Um, but, I think the genetic piece can also become confusing because now you're being passed down. And it's like, well, I hope you don't get. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you grow up, it's like, well, sure, you got some of those traits. And then you also got traits from, you know, maybe a cousin randomly that popped right. up. <laughs> you look yeah. like the paternal grandma, not the paternal grandma. And then, you know, maybe also your genes just are settling differently than your parents. Right. Because it's a different day and age. So evolution has an impact. So I think that just kind of doing this, this concept of body attunement is looking at like, what what are my genetics? What are some things that I just have to accept? What are some ways my body has reacted to aging, to birth, to all the sleepless nights of raising children, of yeah. all the stress <laughs> of raising children, the cortisol levels, and all of that, and kind of just taking a big look at that, and then also looking at, okay, so what, what is in my control body and what can I find for us and how can I practice that body attunement and that body kindness and that self-care so mm-hmm. that I'm not just running from meal to meal or skipping meals or grabbing snacks on the go or not having time for exercise or over-exercising or eating the less food or taking my kids out to eat and then I'm not eating those foods because I'm stuck in a diet myself. Yeah. You know, I finally sitting down at night and Netflix and Phil has started to like Netflix to eat because I haven't eaten all that. And so kind of really looking at like, what can I do to take care of my body and be attuned to its needs based on also just physically what is going on with me. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that what you're saying has really brought up for me and I want to make sure listeners understand is that you know, you don't have to have an eating disorder to have a problem, especially as a parent, like mm-hmm. all these different types of behaviors you're mentioning. So it's okay to get help or ask for help if you are just having a hard time figuring out when to eat. It's not always going to be mm-hmm. like anorexia or bulimia or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially for moms, like I said earlier, because the self-sacrifice is such a key component mm-hmm. to their daily life. 
that asking for some support and some help to structure what physical needs they need to make sure are priority and take time for is awesome. I mean, and that can come from, you know, a professional, like sitting down and saying like, hey, I never actually did combat this diet culture. And so I don't know how to include certain types of food. Yeah, And I don't know, based on my recent lab work, what I do need to add to my diet or change to my, you know, food and food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think then also even asking like a partner or a friend to be like, can you please take the kids out of the kitchen so I can sit and eat my own yeah. meal or can you help yeah. me with the grocery shopping so I have enough of my favorite food stocked up or, yeah. you know, can can you help me like prep this meal and then I can eat it later in the week. Like the key is putting yourself and your physical needs higher up on the list because you have to absolutely nourish yourself physically, which then nourishes yourself emotionally. And then also, you know, nourishes your children because now they're also having a role model that, does sit and eat with them, that does engage with them, that does honor hunger and fullness, that can teach them hunger and fullness, that does have structure, that does have enough sleep and enough water, and balanced coffee, balanced substances, and, and all of that. So I think, yes, I think moms absolutely need to realize that, like, it's okay to to take care of yourself and to ask for help and to just say, you know what, I'm finally going to take a, a good look at how I have a relationship with food. And that's why I like that word relationship with it because Mm -hmm. that is what it is. Right. I'm sure you see that too. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much, Rachel. I've really enjoyed having you on to talk about moms and um, their whole experience with food and body. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me and great work with the need a week. I hope that a lot of people get the messages out there that, um, you know, eating disorders are something that are prevalent and that also look like a lot of different things and a lot of different faces and a lot of different bodies and a lot of different behaviors. And yeah. so I know, I know my passion this week with Nita is also just spreading the word of how it looks to, to have that balanced relationship with food and body and how to have that flexibility and what does intuitive eating even mean and how to take time to focus on yourself. So I'm glad that you're, you're doing a fun series this week. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I like to ask every guest one last question at the end. And it's just, what is your Mm -hmm. favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. I love that. I'm a donut person. I just (laughs) love all the different types and I love all the different uh, flavors and different ways you can make them. And I, I like donuts. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Rachel. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a great week. If you made it this far and enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, It really helps people find the show. And, um, you know, if you have another moment, uh, you could actually share it with a friend. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you tomorrow for our last Nita Week episode of this first series.